Welcome to the Open Forum in the Villages Florida podcast. In this show we talk to leaders in the community, leaders of clubs and interesting folks who live here in the villages, to give perspectives of what is happening here in the villages. We hope to add a new episode most Fridays at 9 a.m. We are a listener-supported podcast. You can become a supporter for as little as $3 per month, or you can choose to pay more. To become a supporter go to openforminthevillages.com and click on support in the black box. There will be shoutouts for supporters in episodes. In Season 4, we have made some dramatic improvements and changes. First is a clarification of the podcast's title, it is Open Forum in the Villages Florida, to make clear that this is a regional show, independently produced for folks who live in Central Florida and the Villages areas. Second is a dramatic increase in the use of AI in the creation of each episode. These include, a transcript of each show. Please understand that there may be errors inserted by the AI that may not be caught before the transcript is published, however, this is a dramatic step forward. We will now include chapter markers for each show. The show description text will be AI-generated. In fact the show's announcers are now all AI voices, including me, Emily. Hope you enjoy. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Greg Pangin, an investment advisor with Edward Jones. Thanks for joining me, Greg. Thanks, Mike. Greg, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how long you've been here in the villages and how you got involved with Edward Jones. Okay. I started my career with Edward Jones 15 years ago, mm-hmm. half in Connecticut and the second half here here in the villages. I, I was a small business owner before that. Mm-hmm. And... I was looking for a new career at age 55, and they found my resume on CareerBuilder. Mm-hmm. And when I explained, as they knew, that I didn't have any uh, experience as a financial advisor, they actually preferred that. They said, well, we, we prefer you didn't, but you have. we'll teach you how to be a financial advisor. But what we can't teach you is the skills you've earned in running a business for 15 years. What kind of a business did you have before getting into financial services? It was a great company. We manufactured wall decor and basically made it made copies of the masters, Monet, Renoir, Van Gogh, and toured the world with it and museums, and it was a wonderful business. It was art? Yes, it was. Okay. When you said wall decor, I thought of wallpaper. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> or sound-absorbing acoustic tiles, <laughs> <laughs> which I had a long time convincing my wife it was going to be okay to put them up. <laughs> it make, makes a big difference in the sound of the show. Greg, we have a lot of retirees here in the villages. We have, what, 160,000 people. Most of them are already retired. Some are still working for the last few years before they retire. What are retirees asking you about today? Well, when they come in for the first time, they want to invest their money, but just don't know how to do it. So I offer them a few different ways. I mean, there isn't a cookie cutter for everybody, mm-hmm. you know. We give them, we actually have a brochure called Making Good Choices. They're all good, just that they're different. And they're different in this respect. How much time do you want to help in the decision making? And how do you want to pay us? So that's what we try to do is offer them the choice of which way. Do you want to have Edward Jones manage the money? Or do you want to work with me and we'll manage it together? So that's the the choice they have. Mm Mm-hmm. For your clients now, what is the split between those people who want to manage it themselves in conjunction with you, or the other choice would be having Edward Jones manage it for them? The the majority is definitely people that want 
the professionals to do the management rather than do it themselves. Mm -hmm. Majority means about what percentage, would you say? Oh, I would say in my branch, it's about 80%. Okay. Now, when I say Edward Jones manage it, that's that's also having other companies like mutual fund companies managing the money too. Mm -hmm. But the people that do it themselves usually want to buy stocks and CDs and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, Greg, at this point in the show, I normally put a little joke in for my grandson, Evan, and and here's a little riddle for you. What did the left eye say to the right eye, Greg? I don't know. Between us, something smells. (laughs) That's good. Okay, that's for Evan. And instead of putting it at the front of the show, we put it hidden in the middle so we make him listen to more of the show. <laughs> I saw him last week in, the, in New York. Okay, now, why don't you tell our listeners how you work with retirees? Good question. We meet with them and we ask them a lot of questions. We, we have we of course get their their assets that they they have now. We analyze them. Uh, we sometimes they're they're assets they should just keep. Mm-hmm. But we do a comprehensive plan. We will ask them questions about how much their income is, what they spend a month for items that are necessary, and items that are optional, vacations and such. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We calculate inflation. We calculate raises in Social Security. We calculate how their living expenses will increase every year and how their investments will increase also. So we we will work with a proprietary program that Edward Jones has that will predict 20 and 30 years out. Mm-hmm. And it's really a great tool for us to work with them. And we, every time we meet them, we'll update it, usually annually, sometimes semi-annually, print it out for them, post it on their account. They can review it. We can, make, we can tweak it. It's a great program. What's the program called? It's an internal. What is the program called? In our company, it's called Financial Foundation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a break here, and we're going to hear from Dr. Craig Curtis on an Alzheimer's tip. Dr. Curtis, tell us about genetics and how important it is. Thank you, Mike. So we know that approximately 60 to 70% of all cases of Alzheimer's disease do have a genetic link. And yes, Alzheimer's disease does run in families. So if you have a loved one or a family member, generally what we call a first-degree relative, that have had Alzheimer's disease, your risk is increased. And we'd like you to see your doctor and discuss the topic, discuss Alzheimer's disease, as it's always important to catch symptoms early. With over 20 years of experience studying brain health, Dr. Curtis's goal is to educate the village's community on how to live a longer, healthier life. To learn more, visit his website, craigcurtismd.com or call 352-500-5252 to attend a free seminar. Where can you tell us about risk tolerance and how do you examine that with each client. Sure. The reason why we want to know their risk tolerance is so that we can invest their money that they will be comfortable with. As you know, the stock market is a volatile place. It goes up and down. In fact, I have a graph I like to show people. It shows the last 43 years of the stock. Mm -hmm. Now, even though it's positive 75% of the time, and I like to say if the stock market was a baseball player, they'd be batting 750. That's not bad. Not bad, right? A superstar is batting 300. Right, right. But 100% of the time, the market will be down. 
sometime between the year, but it's like a rubber band. It, it's so resilient, it, it finishes positive 75% of the time. And, and as you may know also that the stock market over long periods of time uh, does return on average over 10%. But many people cannot stand that volatility. And instead of people getting in the market, out of the market, everybody likes to buy when the market's up and they want to sell when the market's down. Sure. That's sure. not a way to invest. You have to pick a... That's a, a player. It is. It is. It's like playing Russian roulette, I, I say. So the way to invest is have a set amount of equities to fixed income mm-hmm. and, and just stick through it and rebalance when the market's up and rebalance when the market's down. That's the way you buy high, sell high and buy low. So pick a, pick a ratio. I like to say America's portfolio is two-thirds in the market, one-third in fixed income. But many people have a much higher risk tolerance. They, don't, they know the volatility. They know the, the, the neighborhood they hang out in, so to speak. And some people do, cannot stand volatility. So mm-hmm. I, I take people as they are. I will try to educate them. I, 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 do, I do love educating my clients on the market mm-hmm. and how it works. And that's what we use risk tolerance for. It ends up being six questions that are both informative and give us data on how we should invest their money. Mm-hmm. Can you give us an example of one of the six questions? Sure. I like this number five is there have been several periods in the mar- in history when the market has dropped 25% or more in a year. How would you react if your portfolio went from 200000 to 150000 So the, f- the four answers would be, I would move my money. Second one is, I, 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 I consider moving my money if the losses continued. The third one is, I would stick with my long-term plan. And the fourth one is, I think it's an opportunity. And if I had some money available, I'd be putting some money into the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that last one sounds a lot like Jim Cramer. <laughs> And for a lot of folks who've retired, they're not going to have a lot more money to put in the market, so they can't buy it on when it's on sale because they've already invested everything. So that's out of the question. Well, that makes it sound like they've lost all their money. Well, the no, but they have. Let's pretend every penny they have. Oh, oh is it, it, yeah. There's no money on the sideline, is what you're saying. Right. right. There's yeah. no. There's no extra working capital to invest. Well, you see, that's why it, it's not. It's probably a good idea to have a ratio of stocks to bonds, stocks to fixed income that you can then rebalance. And when the market's down, you're buying some of those equities and selling some of that fixed income and bring it back to that starting point, that stock to bond ratio. In the past couple of years, bonds have done rather poorly. Yes, they have. And I, for one, have kept all of my money out of bonds as much as I could. What do you think of the fixed incomes now with these uh, CDs uh, paying 5.2 or 5.3% for a year. There's a lot of money going into CDs right now throughout the country. And it's all being generated, those rates, because of the Fed trying to curb inflation. And they've been dragged up. If, have you ever noticed that the uh, ads that I put out there and uh, others, that the longer term rates are lower? There's a rate inversion going on. It, it's upside down. Historically, the longer you go out, the higher the yield. Right. I noticed that the one-year mark seems to be the peak interest rate. And you go out to two years and they're giving you less. Right. So 
The reason for that is the financial markets are pretty sure that rates are going to go down in the future. So they don't want to give you that higher rate for two, three, four, five years. Even you look at the um, the, the T-bill rate uh, or the T-bonds rather that are over, that are 20, 30 years, they're very low compared to the one, one year. Mm-hmm. So Greg, we've talked a little bit about risk tolerance. We've had a lot of people here in the villages talk about annuity as a way for retirees to invest. What is the opinion of Edward Jones relative to annuities? Annuities are as different as the colors of the rainbow. What types of annuities are there, Greg? Well, there's four different types. The first is as easy to understand as a CD. How much is the interest? How long is it? The big advantage to that is that the gains are tax deferred until you take it out. And you can even defer that for many, many years by rolling it over. Type two is an immediate annuity. That one, you take a lump sum of money and turn it into an income stream for for life. And that can be for you and your spouse. Type three is variable. And it's variable because it's a lot like your maybe your old 401k. It goes up and down with stock market returns. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one is called an index annuity. Our firm doesn't offer those. And so that's a... Um, not an option with with me. The taxation of these annuities is also very varied. For example, in a Roth, as long as you're over 59 and a half and you've, it's been open for five years, the, the Roth itself, it, the income, all income would be tax-free. In a traditional IRA, every penny is going to be taxed at your ordinary income rate. In a non-IRA, it, it's different. It depends on what your gains are, so a payment. So you say a non-IRA, that's something that would be personally held by the retiree? Correct. So a, an individual or joint, it could be joint. The IRS requires that you take out the gains first and then return a principal. Greg, could you tell our listeners what challenges clients and retirees here in the villages face? Well, the challenges would be con- they want to make sure they don't run out of money. And, that, and that's why reliance rate is a is a important thing to talk about here. But so what that's the first time I've heard an event an investment advisor use the word reliance rate. I thought I know what interest rate is. I'm sure many of our listeners want to know what is a reliance rate. So a reliance rate is a is a percentage uh, and we try not to have it above fifty percent. So let's say let's say you're uh you need forty thousand dollars a year to live on. Yeah. And and all you have is Social Security. So right. you're only, and, and let's say it's only $10,000. Okay. You have a very high reliance rate of 75%. Your investments are, are contributing 75% of your money you need to live. Now, many people, many people have both Social Security and a pension. Mm-hmm. Those are two things that would lower your reliance rate. So if you had a, you had that $40,000 need for income and you had 10 from Social Security and 10 from a pension, then your reliance rate is 50%. And what would that mean for investments? So that means that you you still want to have those investments invested diversif- in a diversified manner so that your investments will can take the, the hits of, of down markets and so on. The way of in- lowering your reliance rate would be to add an annuity. That's the only other thing that would lower your reliance rate. So if, if that, that $40,000 example, that that's what you need to live on, you're going to get 10, let's say 10 from social, 10 from a pension, 10 from an annuity. So they're guaranteed by A, the government, uh, B, 
your uh, pension company and C, the annuity company. So your reliance rate is only, a very, it's a very low 25%. So it's a really, it's a, you don't have to rely on the stock and bond performance that you you need to to live on mm-hmm. sort of reliance rate. Uh, is it okay if I ask you a question that I've had w- with the, the whole issue of annuities? Sure. That a, an annuity really is a contract between you and a company. Insurance company. Insurance company, mm-hmm. generally. Uh, that, and what guarantee do you have that if they go out of business, you're still going to have your, your money paid back to you? Great question, Mike. <laughs> you know, on a CD, we're guaranteed for a quarter of a million dollars per institution. By the FDIC. Right. Right. Yep. Federal government's not going out of business. No. But uh, but the FDIC is a insurance company, uh, and who knows? There was I'm not going to get into what would, if that would ever to fail, but probably wouldn't. The insurance companies certainly have failed. Well, there have been a few, uh, but every state because I my main practice is here in Florida, but I also have clients around the country. I have to be licensed in every state that I have an annuity in, or the annuity was written in. And to every state, it's the states that regulate annuity salespeople, annuity product. I understand that you own a Rolls-Royce vehicle. Why did uh, a financial services advisor buy a Rolls-Royce? Well, as you know, I'm a car guy because we met in the Mercedes Club. Mm-hmm. And Living here for all these years, I really enjoyed going to the Spanish Springs car third Saturday of the month. And I decided I wanted to buy a car. Well, that car had to be at least 30 years old. Mm-hmm. So I started looking. I looked at uh, muscle cars, mm-hmm. um, big old gigantic Cadillac convertibles. I thought would be pretty cool. In fact, mm-hmm. I almost bought one. But I started noticing these um, Rolls-Royce Cornishes online. Mm-hmm. And they seemed fairly reasonably priced, about a third of the value of what when they were new. So I started uh, looking at one and, and found one on Facebook Marketplace three hours south of here. Went down to look at it. Boy, I really liked it. So I bought it and I've had it for a little over a year now. I love bringing it to car shows and talking to people about it. People even thank me for bringing it. They they, they like seeing it. They want their picture taken with it. So it's a, it's a big hoot for me. Mm-hmm. Has it turned into a prospecting tool for you? No, no, it hasn't. No. As you know, I I used to train salespeople for twenty five years. I would look at it as a great prospecting tool for financial services advisor. There's another one that, that I trained. I trained everyone in his company. His name was Mark Matson, called or at the time was called Matrix, and he bought himself a DB nine. Wow, which is a beautiful car. Maybe not the car to drive for three or four or five miles to work every day in, but mm. certainly so, uh, a a, uh, a showstopper. Yeah. And, I only drive this to car shows mostly or to breakfast on a weekend or something. Yeah, it's, it's very low mileage. It's only got, now it has about 21,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. It only gets single digits miles per gallon. And, uh, oh, it's getting at least miles per gallon in, instead of gallons, gallons per, per mile. mile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, but it has been a, a bear to have service. To, I finally have the right people working on it, but it's a little pricey. Mm-hmm. Where did you have to go to have it serviced? Well, there's a gentleman in uh, Winter Winter Park that I've been using, and that's who's going to work on it mo- for most most of the time going forward. Mm-hmm. Are the expenses in maintaining a 30-year-old car like a Rolls-Royce significant? Well, yeah, it's got some odd things like the braking system is hydraulic, and it doesn't use DOT brake fluid. It uses mineral oil, and it, boy, it, it, leaks, it leaks pretty badly, so it's always leaking. 
Mm-hmm. But it, it's, they use some GM parts. It's had a GM transmission, a GM air conditioning compressor. So they've used, you know, parts from around the uh, around the world, really, to uh, put that together. Good. And you'll probably be able to keep that on the road for a lot of years. I hope so. The, the best part about owning it is I joined the National Club. Mm-hmm. I just recently spent a week at the National Show where there were several hundred people there. I got to see some beautiful cars, many worth seven figures. Uh, found some great sources for um, parts and so on. Found a lot of information out about my car, actually, talking to some experts there. So I love and, and hanging out with some really nice people from, from Florida here in the Orlando area. I look forward to getting together with them with their monthly dinners and breakfasts and stuff. Mm-hmm. I understand you're trying to form a Rolls-Royce club here in the village. You're right. And uh, I tried to form a Bentley and Rolls-Royce club, but um, the the, this district didn't think we had enough people, and I know you had mentioned to me, it gave me some ideas to maybe, so. It used to be, all you needed was five. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all we needed when we founded the Mercedes Club. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I were you, I'd be attempting to form a club of exotic automobiles, Bentleys, Rolls. Lamborghinis. Ferraris. Yeah, Ferraris. Yeah. Uh, even Austin Martins. That's a good idea, Mike. <laughs> or you could include maybe even a, a Citrion, high-end Citrions. <laughs> Because we, we have people in the villages with these rather unusual and unique vehicles that don't fit into the typical Camaro, Mustang, even Mercedes category. Right. And, and they're club orphans. Right. <laughs> oh, that might be another name name for your club. <laughs> club orphans. The, orf- Auto- the orphan brand. <laughs> I got an idea. Car club. And, and you can probably come up with 30 members real fast. <laughs> so, Greg, if someone wants to ask you a financial question after the show, how should they do that? Well, uh, my office is at Colony Plaza, right next to Bell's Outlet. Uh, if you go to edwardjones.com and type in Greg Panjin, P-A-N-J-I-A-N, you can send me a question through our national website, or my email address is Greg dot pangen at edwardjones.com. My last name is spelled P-A-N-J-I-A-N. Greg's office phone number is 352-750-9246. Greg, thanks for joining us today, and I'm sure our listeners will enjoy the show, and I'm sure you'll get a few telephone calls. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Remember, our next episode will be released next Friday at 9 a.m. Should you want to become a major supporter of the show or have questions, please contact us at mike at rothvoice.com. This is a shout out for supporters, Greg Pangian, Tweet Coleman, Dan Capellan, Ed Williams, Alvin Stenzel, and major supporter Dr. Craig Curtis at K2 in the Villages. We will be hearing more from Dr. Curtis with short Alzheimer's tips each week. If you know someone who should be on the show, contact us at mike at rothvoice.com. We thank everyone for listening to the show. The content of the show is copyrighted by Roth Voice 2023, all rights reserved.